I allowed myself to live in this perpetual purgatory of shame and guilt, isolation, where I just wasn't happy. And it wasn't until I employed these tools and allowed myself to actually open my mind to another way of life that my life got better. Welcome back to the Wake Up With Walwick podcast. Grateful to be here with you guys today. I'm your host, Chris Welbrook. And I got some great feedback on last week's blog post where I discussed the true meaning of Carpe Diem and how you can apply it to your life today. If you happen to miss it, feel free to check it out. It's linked on the homepage of my website. Now for this week's episode, I'll be speaking openly and honestly about my struggles with eating. My relationship with food has been tumultuous to say the least, and it's affected every area of my life. I look forward to sharing my strength, experience, and hope with you all, as well as some key principles I've learned about how I was able to break the chains that have held me down for so many years. Now, before we get started, though, I would really appreciate your support, so please head on over to Instagram and follow me at Chris Wellbrook to support the podcast financially. Please visit patreon.com backslash wakeupwithwellbrook. And for more details about the show, as well as the link to all my blog posts, please visit wakeupwithwellbrook.com. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, so every week I try to pick a topic that is not just relevant to me in my life, but also what I feel like is relevant to your life as well. Um, and this has just become a really beautiful way to not just help me process through stuff that I encounter on a daily basis, but also to kind of distill down my methodology um, and kind of like the principles that I live by and deliver that in a really digestible way to you guys. So I don't know if this past couple of weeks that I've been, you know, kind of fired up about kind of the repercussions of the Met Gala um, or just kind of like looking at society in general, but the, the topic that has really, really struck me and kind of stuck with me um, is the topic of, of, the bondage of self or like not just the bondage of self, but how do we free ourselves from these self-limiting thoughts and self-limiting behaviors? Um, and in search of this, I found a quote by Jasmine Lee Corey, who is a psychotherapist based out of Boulder, Colorado. And she looks at trauma from both a therapeutic, from a therapist perspective, as well as one, um, from a trauma survivor. So her quote goes like this, breaking free of limiting beliefs is like breaking the chains that bind you. And that really hit home because nowadays the pressures are everywhere, whether that's societal, whether that's within your family, among your friends, and most importantly, among yourself. And personally, I found that, you know, the strongest pressures that I feel and the strongest pressures that I endure are the ones that come within me and that are found within me that I put on myself. And so much of my life, I feel like I was capable of making an impact in people. I was a little kid and, and I remember people telling my parents that, you know, he's got such a shining light, he's such a bright light and he's gonna do so much good in the world. And I always felt like I could make an impact on other people. I always felt like I was the one holding myself back. 
and I was the one that was dimming my own light, so to speak, right? And that's something that I've really struggled with, and I, and it's taken a long, long, long time for me to even, one, recognize and acknowledge that I was the one doing that, and two, implementing principles and lifestyle changes to overcome that and not just survive, but to thrive because of that. Um, because I don't believe that we're put in a situation or we have a certain characteristic and we're destined to be like that forever. I believe that we all have starting places and starting spots, strength and weaknesses. And it's up to us to, to ask for help um, and employ tactics to grow as people. And today I really wanted to talk when I really think about self-limiting, fear, breaking the bonds, breaking the, the bondage that has kept me down for so many years. You know, I was thinking of what example could I give you? What, how in depth do I really want to be? And I kind of go back to the reason why I made this podcast. And the reason why I made this podcast is to be real and raw, authentic and, and honest. Um, you know, I see so many people in the world and I'm not calling anybody out. I just see so many people in the world putting off this PC kind of content and saying that life's great and that, you know, they had struggles, but they made it through. And, you know, the truth is like, I still struggle today to even like literally today making this podcast before I struggle, you know, and if I'm going to be true to my purpose of making this podcast, then, you know, I need to live out loud on each of these episodes. So. I'm going to dive deep into some of the things that I, at least the number one thing that I struggle most with, um, when it comes from, when it comes to, excuse me, limiting myself and, and making sure that I limit myself, um, because no one else does that. And I have the complete power over myself. I've, I've lived and I'm so very grateful and blessed to have lived a extremely privileged life. And I'm aware of that, not just because of the color of my skin, but my, socioeconomic status growing up, the opportunities that I had that a lot of people don't have. You know, I didn't have anyone else holding me down, but I was the only one who who held me down and still continues to try to hold myself back. So when I really dive into this, the biggest struggle that I've faced throughout my life, at least one of the biggest struggles, that's something that still man that still manifests and still rears this ugly head, and that is my my struggle and my uh, adverse relationship with eating. And a lot of people, you know, um, think of struggles with eating and they immediately think of anorexia and bulimia because, I mean, that's what I learned growing up, right? Those are the two things that you really struggled with. And um, if you didn't have those and, you know, that we didn't learn about them in health class. Not that I really learned a lot in health class, but I for sure remember those two things. And... I've always had a very interesting relationship with food. I found comfort in food that I couldn't find anywhere else. Um, I grew up in, in, and I still am a part of an extremely health conscious family, um, upon which I'm extremely grateful and now has helped me, you know, in, in, in an immense amount of ways. But, you know, I, I remember my, I mean, I don't remember, but I was told that my first birthday cake was actually like real carrots, like a real carrot cake with like no sugar icing and that everyone thought it tasted like crap. I mean, I don't think I had any at one years old, but like that was the type of, of, of household that I grew up in, like no sugar. Um, I didn't drink soda until I, um, you know, was older and, 
I didn't really have like exposure to any sort of sweets at at an early kind of a growing up age, and that was also that was always super limited. So, the food it always became sort of like this. It it had this sort of mysterious um, aura about it, you could say, right? And um, I just remember like I used to play travel baseball growing up, and I remember when we'd have tournaments all day long, and my mom and dad would leave for something. And I just remember, like, I'd immediately go to the can, like, to the concession stand and get food because, like, like a Snickers bar, because I could, could never have that. So I've always, I've always been drawn to food because I've always kind of loved that immediate high that you feel when you eat food. Um, and scientifically, it's similar to a high that you feel in any other thing, a, a dopamine rush, because you feel comfort, and you feel this elation, right? Um, and I have millions of stories. Um, of you know my friends and I going out to eat food and I I just kept eating more than other people and I found it I had a different relationship with it and it wasn't bad it wasn't good I'm not like shaming it it just is and and I've gotten to the point now where I can just kind of call it out as it is um you know so I grew up and like I was a little chubbier of a kid until I hit puberty and um you know, I was always extremely self-conscious with food, and I just can never stop. And, you know, there were stories, again, like I said, of going to my grandparents' house, and they let me eat whatever I wanted, and then just ate until I threw up. And I just, like, could never figure out how to stop and how to limit it. And all I wanted to do was kind of, like, do it like everyone else did and enjoy, you know, one cup of ice cream, but I could never do that. And, you know, this all kind of got exacerbated Um when I was in high school and, and I I joined the wrestling team and now instead of being able to eat everything I couldn't eat anything right and I was the I was a wrestler and and the athlete where I just have this like insane mental and physical will where my coach could come to me and tell me you know like Chris we need you to go down a weight class this week and I'm like okay like I'm gonna I'll lose 11 more pounds or whatever right in, in a week, and I started, I just remember my junior year, I, st- I walked into the season at 175 pounds, and over the course of the two to three month season, I was down to, I finished at 147, and I was just skin and bones, and you know, you could see my ribs, and I'd sweat all day long, and eat a piece of broccoli at night, and that's extremely unhealthy too, I just remember going to the treadmill at night, after school, after practice, after my homework, and I go to the gym, um, and I'd wear two sweats and two sweatshirts, and I'd run on the treadmill like seven miles or whatever I needed to do, um, all the time watching the um, commercials for food and just like fantasizing about it, right? So it was a different type of, it's similar to where I was before when I was a kid, just like the I couldn't have it, you know, it became mysterious, it became, you just have that sort of desire when you can't have something right when you want something um and you're told you can't have it it just becomes that much more appetizing um you know and and fast forward you know to college and i'll go through this on another episode i'm sure um but my initial years of college were were really awful and I, i isolated you know i i failed academically i failed socially um and i was in the worst place of my life you know as far as physically spiritually emotionally, um, academically, 
and food was at the center of that food was my the my safe haven um where i could escape the outside world but at the same time you know that lasted for a millisecond maybe five minutes if 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 that right and what what came after that was so much shame and guilt and it's like the, it's like you hold like the floodgates and after that period is up that that cloud that haze lifts and it all just comes crashing down worse than before and you know i could still go back to that place and feel that shame and guilt isolation and loneliness that i felt after I finished that and I'm like, how could I do it again? And how could I, I just couldn't stop and, and all this stuff. I was running away from everything in my life and I saw everything crashing down and I didn't want it to crash down, but I couldn't stop it or I felt like I couldn't stop it. And there were many years upon which I lost, I let food, excuse me, I let food have control over me a great portion of my life. You know, this may sound like, oh, this doesn't have to apply. Maybe maybe this message here completely resonates with you, you know? And if it is, just know that you're not alone in that. And if it resonates with you in a different way, and your relationship with food is different than mine, just know that you're not alone in that either. But it may not be food for you. You know, you can substitute anything you want in my story for food anything that you think that you struggle with that you use as an escape from dealing with reality there are principles that you can employ and people that you can surround yourself with to walk through this that it doesn't have to be like this your whole life because i wish that i had learned these tools earlier because i allowed myself to live in this perpetual purgatory of shame and guilt, isolation, or I just wasn't happy. And it wasn't until I employed these tools and allowed myself to actually open my mind to another way of life that my life got better. Principles that I've learned in my life that I now employ on a daily basis to help me with food. And I, I this isn't, I don't use this just for food only, but this is the things that I've learned to help specifically with my food. And I didn't learn this from any one place. This has been compiled over the course of my life and, and just my life experience. I'm not an expert in any way. I'm just a person who's lived. And these are the things that have allowed me to break free of the chains that I put myself in. And that's the big thing. No one else made me do this. I was the one who continually kept, I had this candle that I was trying to, I had this light that I was trying to shine. I was perpetually and constantly blowing that candle out or just throwing a towel or throwing a, um, a blanket over that lamp, right? I'm covering it up, turning the lamp off, whatever you want to use. So the first step that I learned is to take an inventory or in other words, take an honest look at the reasons why I'm feeling drawn to eating at this particular moment, right? I don't just eat for no reason, right? I don't just feel like eating all the time. There are specific moments in my day, in my life, where I feel like I'm really drawn or like like I just 
urge that I have to eat. And that could stress, that could stem from stress, that could stem from fear. I have to look at that. I got to say, what am I actually afraid of? What am I actually stressed out about? Right? Because I could stay in this cycle where I'm just living on the surface and just reacting and kind of going with the flow and saying, oh, man, I feel like I should eat. And then I eat. And then I'm back in that circle once again. It's feeling like eating, eating, living in shame, right? Feeling guilty, whatever. So the first thing you have to do is you have to break out of that and think of, okay, what's the actual reason behind this? And for me, a lot of that comes from fear, right? Stress comes from putting stuff off, procrastinating, right? Not taking action. And you become paralyzed. And for me, that procrastination, that paralysis stems from fear. Okay, fear that I'm not good enough, fear that I'm going to fail, fear that they're not going to like me, right? The, anything, all that fear. And what happens is oh, I'm, I'm so afraid I'm going to fail. I'm so afraid I'm going to fail. I'm, I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid, then I don't do any action. And what do I end up doing? I end up failing because I haven't done any of the work that I need to do. So the first step for me was taking an inventory and figuring out not just what is the cause, what is the root of my urge to eat, but also what is my role in it? What are things that I can do? What are action steps that I can take? To counteract this feeling right if i'm feeling stressed about my homework because it's piling up then what do i need to do i need to actually start doing my homework because if i just go and i go to a pint of ice cream and i flip and love ben and jerry's and that was my go-to right if i go to that the homework will still be there when i get back and i may not even be most of the time i'm not in the mental state to actually do my homework after because I'm feeling so crappy about myself, right? So what is the root? What can I actually do to counteract it? And then actually do that action. Those are That is a lot easier said than done. But that is the first step that I learned. And sometimes just doing something isn't enough, right? You can't just aimlessly take action. I need to look at what is that reason? What is that root cause so then I can take action with purpose, right? I want to act with purpose, not just act blindly. Now, the second thing, these aren't in order. Number one and number two, you can use interchangeably. Number three, I feel like comes after and is the foundation. But the first two, these are in no particular order. Okay, speak it out loud. Now, this can be to yourself. This can be to another person. I personally have a network of people about two to three about three people that I personally talk to when I'm struggling and I have an urge or have a feeling, right? And I put this as number two because sometimes I already have my motive, right? I've already done my inventory and I say, this is what's going on. And other times I'm talking and I'm trying to actually process and work through it. What is my motive? What is stressing me out? What am I afraid of, right? Who am I resentful or pissed off at? And that person allows me to and provides the opportunity to do two things. One, process what the heck is going on. Provide me with feedback, right? But even more powerful than the feedback that someone can give me is just the opportunity and the process of actually hearing myself say my thoughts out loud, right? There is a whole lot of power 
to hearing your thoughts spoken because in your head, your thoughts have so much power. My thoughts can completely control me if I keep them inside my head. I have thoughts every day that, you know what, like I'm going to fail at this or this won't go well or what if this happens? Oh my gosh, and I'm catastrophizing everything in the world, right? And if I let those thoughts run rampant, oh my gosh, I wouldn't want to get out of the bed in the morning. But the moment I pick up the phone or meet with somebody and I say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. And then I hear myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's ridiculous, right? But, but in your head, you believe that kind of stuff. And with food, I would believe that. And that was the lie. That was the lie that kept me in that cycle of just constantly needing more, validating myself with food, and then running away and isolating with shame. And it was hard and it kept me away. But speaking it out loud takes that power away. It allows me to see things more clearly and more objectively so that I can take that action that I mentioned in step number one. Okay, and lastly, step three, I had to place my identity in something bigger than myself. And this could be spiritual. I'm not making this a religious thing, but for me, I found God and that's who I place my identity in. And it wasn't until I did that that I realized that I'm more than my struggles. I'm more than my struggles with food. I'm more than my struggles in other areas of my life. I'm not defined by one thing. I'm not defined by society's expectations of how what size I should be, of what I should look like, right? Of how fit I should be, how big my muscles are, right? I'm defined by something bigger than that. Because guess what? If I If I place my stock in what society says I am, that will change like the wind. Oh, soon the trend won't be to look like I look like. And then I'm going to have to change my whole identity to fit what other people want. And that is exhausting. And then you're not even true to yourself. You're just living this perpetual lie. Trying to keep up and try to stay on top of the next thing. And ultimately, that does not lead you to contentment, let alone happiness. And I had to learn and realize that, you know what, there's a lot of times where I was like, why am I, why do I have to struggle with this? You know, why me? I don't know. And I, and I still don't know the answer of why I was particularly chosen. And maybe at this point, I don't really care why, because it, the reality is, you know, I've acknowledged that like food and I don't always see eye to eye, right? But I'm grateful for my struggles because my struggles have helped shape the person that I am today. And my struggles have given me the opportunity to help people, to do things like this episode here and speak about topics that really aren't talked about that much to a lot of people, right? And they're, and maybe they're talked about on a greater level and, and the content is out there, but is the content accessible and is the content listened to by everybody? That's the real question, you know? And I'm not here to provide you with these. These are the three things that I did and life's perfect. I'm here to tell you that Yes, I struggle with it. And yes, today I still struggle with it. Like literally today I struggled with it. But it no longer has that power over me that it once did. That I have tools that I can employ. I can invite other people into the conversation so I'm not alone fighting this thing and feeling like I'm stuck in the cycle that I can never break out of. So if you're struggling with this, please reach out. Know that you're not alone and know that a lot of us out there struggle with this 
and a lot of us out there don't talk about it. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say a great deal of us struggle with this. And if we all just don't talk about it, then there's just this elephant in the room that we ignore. So I'm here calling this shit out, and I really hope that this hit home. And if this did, please, you can do this. You can make it through, and this will not be forever. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date on both the podcast and the blog. I really appreciate y'all tuning in. And have a great rest of your week, everyone.